Hi, I'm Jeff Miller. And I'm Anthony Navarro, and welcome to Talk Out Loud, where LGBTQIA people proudly share their stories. We're excited to launch Proud Out Loud, which is a limited Pride Month series brought to you by the team at Talk Out Loud in partnership with Tybar. On this episode of Talk Out Loud, we're joined by actress, musician, and screenwriter Alexandra Gray. Alexandra lost her mom at a young age and grew up in Chicago in seven different foster homes. Her relationship with God sustained her over the years through some tough times, knowing she'd have a story to tell as a Black trans woman. Holding on to the wise words of a friend, she took a leap of faith with little money in her pocket and moved to Los Angeles to pursue her dream. Navigating her way through Hollywood, she eventually broke through and became a working actress. Through hard work, determination, and much faith, Alexandra has been able to play important roles to her. This includes Lucy Hicks Anderson and the HBO documentary Equal, and Stonewall activist Marsha P. Johnson and Comedy Central's Drunk History. You could also find her helping solve the case as Parker Phillips in the fifth season of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. Let's hear Alexandra's story. Today, we are so excited to have with us the talented, the beautiful, the smile that just like lights up the room and is contagious, Alexandra Gray. Welcome to Talk Out Loud. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So we're here recording virtually in LA. And, uh, you know, I, I've watched your story for a while. I've been watching you just just skyrocket and just blossom. And, and I know that there was kind of like this heartfelt connection that I've had being that you're from Chicago originally. And uh, I just kind of wanted to maybe if we could start off talking about like a little bit like about childhood and, and growing up and, you know, before we got to LA and where you're at today, if, if you're okay with, with going there. Yeah, well, I've been in LA for about 10 years now. I think this is going to be my 10th anniversary. So it's been a decade (laughs) (laughs) since I, you know, packed up and went to go chase my dreams. But yeah, I grew up in Chicago, south side of Chicago, in what we call the wild 100s is what we call it, because it was really, really bad neighborhood. And uh, yeah, I grew up in seven foster homes and yeah... You know, there's so there's so much to, you know, unpack from from just childhood. But, you know, with Mother's Day just passing, you know, it did make me think about my mom. And when I think about my mom, I think about like my dad who's in prison. Well, who was in prison. He just got out. Mm. You know, my mom who passed away, it's been, what is it? Tw- it's been 21 years now. So I was like nine, I think. Wow. And so it just, you know, whatever you think about, I think about my childhood and growing up or I think about my mom, I always think about that. And I'm like, wow, a lot happened. (laughs) You know, so yep, seven foster homes outside of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you don't know this, but uh, I lost my mom 18 years ago. And, you know, you think about for obviously with Mother's Day just passing too, I was able to sort of have this like, you know, just little moment. uh, And I think the first time this year, this go around with it, it hasn't necessarily, I want to say, like hurt as much because I think for the last few years, I've really been able to like deal with it, unpack some of that emotion, but then really like thinking back, being like, whoa, like so much of so much life now has happened without her that it's almost hard to go back to remember like what life was like with her. So I know mm-hmm. that, you know, for some people, Holidays like that are not always great, but I think, uh, you know, for me, I did a little, you know, uh, social media post and there were other people who were responded who lost parents and just sort of the way that I, you know, I tackled it or thought about it this year being a little bit different, I think inspired me not to, to, not to not feel sad, but to be grateful for the time that I had with her. But I totally hear you. It just seems like, like a lot of life passes and to go that far back, it's almost like, do I want to go that far back? <laughs> so. Yeah. No, you know, I think over the years too, because, you know, a little bit of my story too is that once I did make the decision to transition or at least come out as gay, that was not cool with my family. So mm. they kind of, I, I guess you could say they disowned me. They, you know, 
told me I couldn't come to church, couldn't come around. So uh, it's been 10 years. So, you know, when I think about that, the first few years being here was challenging. And if I'm rubbing my eye, you know, it's not because I'm like crying. It's because there's some shit in my eye. But, um, (laughs) you know, the first five years was tough. I remember being in like the 99 cent store because, you know, that's where I used to shop before I became a star. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, actually, I still shop there. I literally just went there and got some tissue and stuff like that. Because, you know, you got to be smart. Uh You know, you get your (laughs) tissue, you get your... You know, some people, they want to get Charmin Ultra, you know, and all this expensive tissue. It's like, honey, get me. Go to 99 cent store and give me a thousand bags. (laughs) So, you know, I remember one time it was... Christmas and maybe it was the fourth year and I was just in there and they started playing this ridiculous Justin Bieber song and it was like I love Justin Bieber. So I started crying and I got really sad because I was like oh my gosh like I'm only what 25 and is this my life? Like no family and just shopping in a grocery store listen in a stupid Christmas song comes on. And so I called my sister and I just broke down. And, you know, ever since that time, you know, it's gotten easier. Yeah. You know, you 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 learn to move on and you say, I'm going to start my own life and my own family. So um, even though I had a really tough childhood and, and teenage years as well was not easy. It's like, I'm resilient and, uh, you know, I keep pushing forward. I think that, that that resilience is, is is a theme that like a lot of people that um, I've really admired that we've gotten to talk to over the last year or so is that that resilience is that theme that seems to keep coming up. I'm just curious, was when you talk about like your your sister and family, have you found things that like took chosen family for yourself here in LA or in even like with some of your colleagues now in work? Has many of those relationships shown up for you or? Yeah, I mean, over the years, I've definitely had some really nice friendships, and there are certain people who are definitely people that I just love so much. And I know I could call and say, hey, or talk about anything. But, you know, I, I'm not really too caught up in it as I was of like, oh, I, I should try to find a family. It's kind of like now that I'm older and, you know, God has blessed me so much in my career and to kind of show me that my dreams can come true. Mm-hmm. I really just focus, spend a lot of time focusing on that, you know, yeah. to where I, I'm like, I'm, ha- I'm, more ha- I'm a more happier person these days, you know, it's like dreams are coming true. So, but there are definitely some people over the years that have definitely been in my corner that I'm like, wow, but nothing mm-hmm. really feels, it's never felt like, I, I mean, even though I've had friends over the years and their parents have become like my parents, you know, there were moments at a Christmas dinner where no matter how included you were, you knew that this wasn't your family. And so, and I know that's maybe a negative way to have looked at it, but there were just moments that you as a human being, you can't, you can't pretend like... Aren't real, and so there were moments where I would see. It's like I would get a I would get a Christmas gift, but then you'd see them getting like a thousand Christmas <laughs> gifts. You'd be grateful for that Christmas gift, but hey, I was in my twenties, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you just always knew that this wasn't your family. But I think now that I'm older, I don't have those feelings. I'm like, this is my mom, you know. Mm. This is this is my mom. This is my dad, you know. And so, yeah, it's you- been great. That's awesome. You mentioned God was was the word you used. Uh, is there something that you've found now that, like, did you have a spiritual practice like when things were tougher ten years ago? That is now like as things have gotten a little bit more successful, that you continue to turn back into at all for, for like solitude or anything like that, or, or for force or for drive or intention? Yeah, you know, I think in terms of spirituality, it's for me always been about my personal relationship with God. Hmm. You know, because I know I think a lot of Christianity and a lot of church and and stuff like that is there's a lot of, you know, I think it's selective Christianity is what one of my friends used to call it. You know, people choose to say, well, being gay is wrong, but, you know, I can be an adulterer, you know, or something (laughs) like that. And it's just like, come on now. So I more so have focused on my personal relationship with God. And in terms of that, I feel like that is something that has helped grounded me in the sense of like, 
I do pray to a higher being and, and I say I'm grateful for my blessings and I know that there's some form that exists outside of me that has, you know, made me still alive to this day, just in the situations I've grew up in, also being trans and black in America and in the world. It's like I'm not supposed to be doing any of the stuff that I'm doing to have a resume and have worked in Hollywood as a black trans woman, like crazy. So, I mean, I know that God is just, is is giving me a story to tell. And I'm like, I don't think God would want people to commit suicide. I don't think God would want people to feel how I felt when I was 17 and feeling like I wanted to just let go because I was struggling with this thing so much. I think he is giving me this purpose in life. And that is to say, it is okay to be who you are. Just be a good person. Yeah. Yeah. That That's interesting. I was listening to something the other day. I was just talking about like desire and purpose and then to be a good person, to be in love. And love has many different like shapes and forms and what that looks like, right? Like it's a... You, just showing up and, and being what you're created to be like saying, yes, I'm going to whatever I feel like I'm called to be as a being. Um, and to be able to enter into that creative flow, which, you know, I think some people may be listening, maybe like, Oh yeah, yeah. You know, she's an actress or an actor. All of us, when we get up in the morning, we choose like what we're doing, we're, we're creating something. And I guess where I, I kind of wanted to go with that was, is did you always want to, you know, working acting? When did that light bulb turn on for you? Yeah, you know, I think I've always been into the arts. So when I was in high school, well, okay, I'll start with when I was in grammar school. I was the only eighth grader in the musical production of Once on This Island. Mm. The only eighth, the only, Mm. like they call it seventh and eighth graders, like upperclassmen or whatever. And everybody in the musical were sixth grade and under. And I was the only student, this was like out of a, thousands and thousands of students. It was a big elementary school. And so I was into the arts that much that I was this black boy back then where it was like, I want to be in the musical. And I played Agwe, God of Water. And I did this, had this big number. And I was just, I can't even, I look back and I'm like, wow, you know, I can't believe it. I wanted to be a soccer, but you know, I wasn't trans then. And so... (laughs) That was where it first started. And actually, I just talked to you on Facebook, the teacher, music teacher who did that. And she's like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe, you know, what what you've done and, and everything that you've become so far. And so from there, it was like in high school, I felt like Troy Bolton from High School Musical because I was an athlete. I was like on the track. I was the track team captain my senior year and cross country captain my senior year. And I was also in show choir. And so I remember my last race and my last show choir performance were on the same day. Oh, no. So I literally ran my last race... (laughs) And ran off the track onto the stage. It was total like high school musical. Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And and I remember because there it was conflicting at times. Like it was like my teammates were disappointed in me because it was like I I really wanted to do show choir. It was glee. That was our yeah. glee back yeah. then. And so yeah, so that's when it first started for me. But in terms of becoming an actor, it wasn't until like I finished college. My I went to community college. And after I graduated and then I got kicked out and disowned, it was like, someone just was like, you should go to California because you're, you're, you're kind of funny. You should be an actor. And I was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wanted to get signed to a record label and be Beyonce. So (laughs) that was my dream. Actually, that was like what I was trying to do before Mm -hmm. I was being an actor. And then that notion of coming to Hollywood, it was like, I had nothing to lose. Mm. Yeah. I had yeah. no family at that point. I did. I was like, my life was not what I thought it was mm. supposed to be. Mm. So I was like, let me just go. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, that was me moving, getting on a plane and coming to LA, living in the LGBT center, homeless shelter, mm. and doing background work the second night that I got to LA. Wow. Yeah, literally, yeah. was Craigslist was popping back yeah. then. It was like, <laughs> right? That was our break, breakdowns back then. Yeah, and I was on sets and doing game shows and doing sitcoms where I was just you know featured background or whatever like that and stand-ins, and that went on for about five years until I kept 
you know, tried to get on my feet, you know, getting a job. Yeah. I kept getting fired from jobs because I, because legally I, everything said male and, you know, so it was literally living in a shelter for two years. I lived in a shelter for two years, sometimes on the street mm-hmm. in the beginning and finally was able to get a job, get on, get my own place, get, you know, get an apartment with a roommate. And then five years after that, was when I got my first, you know, big TV opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm curious. You said we've talked a little bit about like your relationship with God earlier and and what that looked like. It sounds like, you know, kind of going back before you came to LA, there was this moment where you heard like that person someone said to you, you should move to LA. And you maybe had like a different version of what you saw for yourself, you know, you thought you were going to be a singer and not really knowing exactly what it was. To me, like when I hear that, that's like something bigger than you is sort of intervening and interjecting into your own life that is guiding you the right way. You may think you know the right thing to do. Like I know for myself, there's been times where like I thought (laughs) that this was the way to go, that this was the thing to do. And what I came to realize was, was as that was happening and as I was working towards the thing that I thought I was supposed to be doing something else presented itself. And that's all the thing that I thought was really just the path to get me to where I really needed to be. And I feel, uh, you know, listening to you sort of retell this, there had to be, you had to have such a strong connection to a higher power or, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, in order to have, like, be able to take that leap of faith. But I'm curious, you know, during those, you said like those five years and, you know, in and out of like shelters and maybe being on the street at some times in terms of, you know, questioning that faith, what did that look like for you? Hmm. You know, what I'll say is that just to answer what you first said about just the, like, I just get chills every time I think about that one person that said to me, you should go to LA. Yeah. Ooh, I just get the chills because, and honey, I mean, these are like you know, second COVID vaccine vaccine chills. Okay? <laughs> these are the real like, thing. Okay. Yeah, we're not messing around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just because I feel like every moment you could never live with the regret mm. of anything because every moment has led you right to where you are. Mm-hmm. Like. Every moment, if that person had not said that to me that day, where would I be? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if I wasn't, if I was a kind of person where I didn't listen to those voices, or I didn't, I, I, I was stubborn. Maybe I wouldn't have mm-hmm. taken that advice. If I would, maybe if I was had the fear, I wouldn't have listened, and mm-hmm. maybe my life wouldn't be what it is yeah. today. And so I get such chills even thinking about them telling saying that because I never had that thought. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know what California was. Mm. And so, you know, and the, to answer the other question, I, I I say this, you know, you're the older that you get and the more you go through life, your your worries change. And when I was homeless, I didn't have many worries <laughs> because I didn't have any bills. I didn't have any anything, you know. And now that I'm kind of established a little bit now and started a career. Now my worries are like, I don't understand why I don't get the leading role. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. right. You you have problems where you didn't have problems before in areas you didn't have, right? Yeah. You know, but before it was like, before I got the opportunity, I was never upset because Mm. I never knew what it was like to say to get a yes. And now that I've gotten a bunch of yeses, I'm like, I never want to hear no. Right. (laughs) So I think I was very grounded back then (laughs) and very humble and had a lot of humility. But uh, yeah, for sure. I think during that time, it was... you just had, I had nothing to lose. Mm. I literally had nothing to yeah. lose. Like I wasn't embarrassed by anything. Now it's like, I really don't like taking the subway in LA. <laughs> I would never take a bus. Whereas back then it was like, that's, that was my life. That was what yeah. I did. You yeah. know, I, I walked the streets of Santa Monica Boulevard, you mm-hmm. know, that was just yeah. a part of, of, of your journey. So. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I think about times where like, 10 years ago when I was in a totally different situation, basically homeless if it wasn't for other people. But those times where like I was walking or riding the bike to get to places, though, it did give me time to like really 
appreciate like life and just to um, almost like to, to pause and to, and just kind of like observe things that's given me, I think some of the emotional intelligence I have to deal with now, some of these bigger things that have come my way. I like that you talked about the humility and, you know, you, you work in a, in a, a profession where you are the, the, the product, right? I know I, I was watching, I think it was like Instagram live you were on a month or two ago. And uh, it was a pose was getting ready to come out. And you've, you talk very candidly about things you've tried out for that, you know, that you, you haven't gotten. And you're like, that was for somebody else. You were saying that role was for somebody else. And then you talked about, you worked through the story about, but then this and this, this happened for me. And if that had happened, this wouldn't have happened. Can we talk a little bit about that thinking and how, and how that has worked for you in the past and how it's working for you today? Yeah. I'm like, where did, where did I say, where did you find that? When did I say that? <laughs> he, <laughs> finds, he finds everything. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. I'll, I'll I can be a hundred percent transparent. You know, I uh, when Pose came around, you know, I, you know, at that point, I think I did six or seven, you know, guest stars on television at that point. And so, you know, usually if you're on a trajectory as an actor, I think that I mean, even now, you know, I've done four, you know, major recurring roles on primetime series, but I haven't been a series regular yet. And you know, uh. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that that's just the trajectory says that I think it's time for her to be a series regular, but, mm. but she's not, but that's okay. But when Pose came around, I felt like, wow, this is really going to be an opportunity for me. And I don't really think I was considered for that role, for that for that show. Um, I mean, I, I know they flew people in for callbacks and I didn't even get a callback. So mm. I think they might have had th- an idea in mind, whether that's you know, other actors or whatever or whatever. I don't know. But I was really jaded. I was really upset because who doesn't want to be a part of... Look at all the history and how groundbreaking it's been. And, um, you know, all all of those girls are are my friends. And, you know, a a lot of us kind of grew up together in this business, if you will. And so, you know, to, to have... For the three years that the show has been on or was on in the beginning, I didn't work for like three years, 2017, 2018, up to almost 20, up until 20, middle of 2019, Mm. I didn't work at all. And my lights got cut out. Like it was a really bad time. And I was like, I don't know why I'm not working or, or whatever. And so I was really upset. But after that, (laughs) you know, and um, I had booked the lead in a movie and I just, I, from that moment, I, I honestly haven't stopped working. Yeah, and that was in 2018, and I haven't stopped working. Now I've done two recurring, ro- major recurring roles. I've done a ton of guest stars. I've gotten to work with Viola Davis and Taraji P Henson, Terrence Howard. It's been crazy, and yeah. so I just learned to realize that what's for you is for you. Mm. Yeah, and, and that was, you know, I'm I'm just doing my own thing over here. You know. Uh, and so, and doing, and doing it well. The for the record, they're doing it very well. So, well, thank you. Well, thank yeah. you. I mean, I, I know. I think a lot of politics play into it. I think I've been this year alone dealing with a lot of politics. Not going to say what those politics are, but you know, I'll say that I can't change the color of my skin. Mm. I'm not. You know, I'm not mixed with anything. I am just a black trans woman, mm. and um, you know. I think it's important to just remember that, you know, it is a tough business. Politics do play a big part. Look at what's happening with the Golden Globes. It's like, if politics exists for cis folks in Hollywood, it's going to exist for trans folks in trans Hollywood. And I'm just happy. I'm just, I'm just dealing with it, you know? And so I I have to remind myself and stay grounded and say, who I am is enough. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been saying to myself this whole year. Who I am is enough. My talent is enough. My skin color is enough. My black transness is enough. Mm-hmm. And once people are ready to see more of that, that's when you, that's when she'll be a series regular. Yeah. yeah. And have financial security. Amen. Yeah, amen. And when she'll be be, be a star. Now, because if I if I wasn't a, a, a dark skinned trans woman, I'd be a star by now with my resume. Amen. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting my journey. And I can't live with the regret of yeah. not knowing what could have happened. Right. So I can't afford to give up. Right, right. 
Because right. I'm and, not right, and then things that you said affording. I love the way you said it, literally afford. Like I think sometimes we think about things just in dollars, but in mind, energy, consciousness, like that that energy. If I'm putting it back into yesterday or three years ago, mm. that's that's stealing from what I can be doing today. There's certain people that I follow on Instagram specifically because, like, when I get done after looking at their content, I feel better about myself. And you are one of those people. And you you had a quote uh, a couple of days ago, and and you went on to say uh, afterwards. Um, learning more and more to take nothing personal in this life. Even though it is personal, some days may be easier than others, but I'm resilient, I'm strong, that's all. And I love that you said, you know, not taking it personal, but it is personal. You know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? Being able to stand outside myself, you know, and, and not let that keep me down, be able to keep on trucking on through, but at the same time, being realistic about this is the world we live in and still what needs to change. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I mean... It is personal because it's not sure. Will there be moments where it'll come down to, oh, I think that this is a better actress, right? Or I think that she just happens to, you know, fit a a certain type of aesthetic or whatever. Sure, those moments happen, but we know what it gives, right? We know, we know what it gives. We know that 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 colorism exists, right? We know that one desiring skin tones that are more palatable. You know, we know that, you know, we know that racism, colorism, transphobia exist. And so to me, that is very personal. You know, I have been very fortunate not to deal with like broken cops and like dealing with racism like that. I've never really had people, you know, call me the N-word and stuff at grocery stores or whatever like that because they know I would beat their ass. But, um, you know, I've never dealt with that. But in my field as an actress, I have experienced yeah. it. And so that it, and and racism or wherever, it sucks. Mm. You know, it, I mean, it doesn't matter how strong of a person you are when you feel trapped and you feel like you can't speak up. I've heard other black actors, I think Reggae Jean Page from Bridgerton, you know, I think there was like all this press about how he was turned down for a role because he was black. And I'm like this probably happens all the time to a lot more people as well. (laughs) But, you know, how much can you speak up about without coming off difficult or, Mm. or being blackballed or whatever like that, you know, I don't know. So I, that's why I say I'm resilient because I'm not giving up. Mm. I'm not giving up. And, and that's that's so helpful. You've also gotten to work with some other amazing, resilient colleagues with Empire, you know, with what you were able to create in the se- the episodes that you were on there. And I love also that it involved music, right? So like, mm. you know, that 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 woman that they wanted to sing, you know, like your higher power, whatever. It's like, yeah, we're going to get you there. We're just going to get you there in a little bit of a different direction. When you found out you got cast for that role and you got to see like what all involved, what did, what did that feel like? Was What was that experience like? Yeah, you know, there were moments... Where, I mean, there's been like another chill, chill moment. You know, I was on that. I was, uh, it was really full circle moment because when Empire first came out, I wanted to be on that show so bad. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be on that show. I want to be on on a stage in a gown singing. Mm. And I, when I, my workout is this, I pretend like I'm on stage and I do a whole tour for two hours. <laughs> that is how I work out. I dance and I'm doing a whole full-on tour. And that's what I've done even since before I came out here. And so to get that moment, to get cast on that show to play a singer. And I remember the first number that I performed was this ballad. It was like everything I had ever dreamed. It was like, oh my gosh, I want to stand on stage. And to stand on stage... And this gown, glamorous, and seeing this ballad that was my real voice mm. was insane. And then to keep continue to do it, I performed, I think, four songs on the show in total. And the other one was like at the Grammys in this front of all these... It was like, I think, maybe a thousand background extras in this grand theater. And I had to... Got on stage and performed. And so it was... It's just moments like that that you have to remember... You cannot yeah, forget yeah. those moments. Yeah. And sometimes I forget because I want, you know, 
more. You know, I want to <laughs> do this every single day. All I wanted was to to do one more take, you know. Right. So it was an incredible full circle moment for sure. Yeah. And thanks for taking us there with you on that. That's really special. I just have one more thought about that. It was just, not, some people may not know, know that. So Empire it was filmed also in Chicago. Some, I'm assuming someone's in LA and someone's in Chicago. So you got to go back to Chicago for this. So there was also that with that too. Like this is where kind of you grew up. Yeah, that's true. Actually, before Empire, I was recurring on Chicago Med and that was pretty cool too. But Empire, uh, it was in Chicago for like six six months um, off and on. So it was great because I got to go back to the place that you know brought me a lot of pain and trauma, but also... I got to see so many people. I got to to spoil my sister and her kids and just bring them to the hotel and we're in we're in the back of, you know, black cars and you know, just moments like that. That's all I really wanted and to go back and see the law office that I used to work for and how they embraced me when I transitioned and everyone was just so f- afraid, you know? Everyone was so afraid for me when I first left because they were like I was going to this new place trans I had just transitioned about a month and it was like everyone was scared and so to to see this full circle moment of me coming back and and coming back because my dreams came true yeah. my dream right. wasn't to necessarily win an oscar it was I wanted to be an actress and so to get to go back because my dreams came true is just uh, it's so cheesy but it's like it's real yeah yeah yeah. So uh, I just want to take us back just to what you were saying about, I love your workout routine. I love the idea of like, you, you're you just like, you spend an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is, where you're just dancing and you're performing and you kind of go to this space. That's the only workout you do, right? You, you don't go to the gym or anything like that. That's what, that's your primary workout. Yeah, yeah, I just dance. I love that. So, but you know, it makes me think about obviously like, you know, exercise and then being in shape and body image and sort of expectations and being, you know, a woman working in Hollywood. Have you felt any, you know, positive or negative impact on on you from the industry of having, you know, having to look a certain way or, you know, be a certain type of woman or, you know, anything like that? You know, I'll I'll say no. I I feel like there are some different standards for for trans actors mm. than for cis. Meaning, like, I think if I was a cis woman, I'm like the perfect package, right? Mm. Like, I'm like, she's gorgeous, of course, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, she's gorgeous. I mean, she has a nice body. You know, everything that you think Hollywood is looking for, but. I mean, I like I said, I haven't been the lead yet. Mm. You know, I haven't been in the series regular yet. So I can't really say that body image has played a part into whether or not I am, am more successful or, or what they're looking for. But just my own journey, you know, during the pandemic, it really helped me because it forced me to dance more. Mm. So I was dancing four or five times a week and I started to eat better and then I started to slim down. Now people think I have an eating disorder. You know, but then also I had a breast augmentation and a Brazilian butt lift. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's like these are just things people do. But but my reasons for doing it was because as a trans woman, it was I always desired a more feminine shape. It wasn't because Mm. I was like, I want a bigger butt. It's like I still don't have a big butt, you know, but I, I wanted that feminine shape. And that procedure was the only one I could do that allowed me to have a feminine shape. And so, yeah, for me now, it's just about, honestly, I just want to be healthy and I want to be able to do love scenes. And before I didn't like the way my body looked. And so I did something about it. So that way I didn't want to limit myself as an, as an artist mm. because I don't mind doing nudity or love scenes if they, if it's, you know, mm-hmm. the right project. And so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in a pretty healthy, more healthier place with, in terms of like body image and stuff. And honestly, you see so many different sizes and shapes these days in music and in television that I think that, you know, just diversity in terms of of race Mm. is just way more important. (laughs) Yeah. 
talking about, you know, uh, just being healthy. So like for Jeff and I over during the pandemic, we we had been trending in the vegetarian sort of realm food wise. And then during the pandemic, for me, I sort of transitioned to full vegan, Jeff is still vegetarian. But I think that there's this big push, or I've heard more and more people just really, it's not so much about looking a certain way or, you know, having the best body or like a, trying to attain sort of this unattainable, you know, goal of a uh, look, but it's really just more about being healthy and then just being comfortable in your own skin. Absolutely. Alexandra. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about visibility. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, specifically of, of transgender people in media, television, press. And I think you've talked about this before as about not just representation, but authentic representation and how important that is. And, and what I think that is, is that before we go into that too much is, is that I know like for myself, like you, you've played two key characters uh, in the last couple of years, one being Marsha P. Johnson and the other one being uh, Lucy Hicks Anderson. And what has been really important for me, even as like, someone who's part of the LGBTQI community, like, you know, 50, like two years ago when we had the 50th anniversary of, of Stonewall, it was like, oh, it all started in 69 with Marsha P. Johnson. True. She, you know, she threw that shot glass, right? But there was people before that, like in the HBO Equal series that, that you're in, that anyone can go on and watch right now, with what Lucy Hicks Anderson was living and doing here in Southern California in the you know post-war. Being able to play those roles, wh- what has that been like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, I did know a little bit about Marsha P. Johnson. I didn't know about Lucy. You know, it's just, it's been incredible. It was, to do equal was just, I mean, it was quite a journey. I mean, I actually, that was just like a straight offer. I just got offered to to play that role. And so I was like, you know, wow, okay, you trust me. (laughs) And I think honestly, that was some of my best work. I mean, like, give me the fucking Emmy. <laughs> like, and I say that, you know, as humble as possible, you know. But it's just like, damn, I really felt her spirit on set. Yeah. I remember when I stepped, the first time I stepped into that costume, and, and she was, I was portraying her at 45 years old, you know, and I was only 28, 29. And so, and I really felt like a 45-year-old woman. Mm. Wow. You know, and I just think that, that that was the first time as an artist that I felt real. I don't know what it was. Maybe I think it was something I've changed in, in how I, I handle projects that I get mm-hmm. in terms of putting in the work. But when I played Melody Barnes on Empire, I didn't feel like a superstar. I didn't feel like I looked like a superstar. I just think I was more so just, you know, wow, this is amazing. And I caught up in it. But I I really felt transformed into Lucy, mm. where I could have done a whole movie. Wow! I felt me... like we could have did a whole movie based on her life, and I would have gotten the Academy Award nomination. <laughs> yeah. But it was just amazing, and and the stories are so so important. So I just want to keep doing that. I just want to keep getting the opportunity to to do that. I really felt her presence on set. It was scary, and it was right before the pandemic happened. I think. Mm. That night that I wrapped shooting, they were shutting down production and the grocery stores were a nightmare. Mm. I remember that. And it was just kind of, life was just really crazy at that time. But, you know, it was amazing. And so I'm so, I'm so proud of that. And with Drunk History too, I'm like, these are the stories I love to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And and the buzz around both of those performances, uh, amazing. To anyone, um, you know, I would really highly recommend you. You can watch uh, Drunk History. You know, it's Comedy Central. You can watch that online on YouTube. Um, equals uh, HBO Max right now, you know, you know, comfort of your home. And, and this is the caliber of your performance in that, the storyline and, and then Billy Porter's narration with it. The two of you make an amazing team in, in that. In that. And um, I just can't speak highly enough to anyone right now for Pride Month. Share with your friends and family. It, it's, a, it's a really good history lesson. I'm also, I think the other thing is, is that I'm just having this opportunity to ask you that, is that as an actor, the difference of playing a role versus actually then having to recreate an actual person who really did exist. Mm-hmm. What, what is, what's the difference feel like for that is for you as an actor? 
Well, I think, you know, one is you take what I think the the writers and the, and the brains behind a character like Parker Phillips on MacGyver, you know, that was one where I really got to create the kind of character that I wanted. You know, they had this idea of her having five master's degrees, but in terms of how she looked and dressed, you know, they really gave me the freedom there to where I said, I want to look like a young Olivia Pope. And so every week, you know, you know, this MacGyver's an action series. So you have all the all the regulars on the show in like action clothes. And here comes, you know, Parker, this 20-something-year-old black trans woman, just, you know, hair is laid to perfection, makeup is done, but she's in a in a skirt and a blouse and she's just ready to do business. And so, you know, that's fun to get to create. But in terms of like Lucy, you know, they they kind of transform you. And you try to honor that as much. I really only had one or two images of her Hmm. because, you know, she just existed in a time where, you know, she wasn't really well documented in that way. And so there wasn't much to go off of. So I really did get to, in the same realm, create what I thought her story was and, and what it would be like. And because I am a Black trans woman, I know what... some oppression feels like. I know what it's like to be disrespected and disregarded. And so I just really channeled some of those moments that I've experienced into imagining what it was like. And I love Mm. history so much. It's my favorite subject. And so I can only imagine what it was like for someone like her. And so uh, I think there's a big difference, but with, with Lucy, there wasn't too much of a difference. Yeah. That's, that's really cool to know that you're, I just had the, the appreciation for history that you have as well too because i wouldn't have known that that's i mean it comes out obviously in, in the way that you uh carry the the performance but to knowing that inside you that that's going on as well too that's pretty cool so we i know we touched upon visibility and i know earlier we had talked a little bit about how there is you know transphobia say within the entertainment industry and obviously within the world and looking back at like the history of television that there seems to be when LGBTQI characters start to show up in series that there tends to be this sort of change of heart or understanding from, you know, say a greater audience, people that are watching those shows. How do you think some of the roles that you've played so far are maybe attributing to changing hearts and minds or creating more understanding towards the trans community? Sure. You know, I think, I mean, I, I, even just with my my last role as Parker Phillips, you know, 5 million viewers each week, yeah. you know, are watching a Black trans woman be a part of the main story, yeah. helping to solve the case. It's like, if that isn't making, and we never mentioned that I was trans or that the character was trans. And so you're just watching an actor who you've heard is trans and you're watching them exist. Yeah. And that's the point. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that. That's the purpose right there is that it should be just a normal thing. It shouldn't have to be, oh my gosh, that's a trans person, you know? Yeah. And so that's why that's my fight is to exist in these spaces more, yeah. more and more. I don't want to yeah. tell the same story. You know, I don't want, I don't want to, we shouldn't just cast the same type of trans actors, right? right. You know, we have to be, we have to make space for everyone. And I don't know, I mean, Disclosure, you know, I was in Disclosure, which is a great documentary to check out. If you're casting a project, working on a project, want to learn about trans people in in media, it's a great docuseries on Netflix, you know, but I just think that that is just super important that we are just existing in these spaces for folks and telling a variety of, of trans stories so that people know, and it becomes a normal thing. I haven't heard people getting backlash because they cast a trans person. No one on MacGyver like was like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? It was like, I was just a recurring character and they've been trying to save this show. They've been buying billboards (laughs) and they've been tagging me as if I'm like, a series regular on this show. So that is how much people have embraced my character. And so it's just further proof that people don't care. No, they don't. Let's not make it as if let's let's not blame it on 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 the public and on the people, right? That's what my family tried to do. Yeah. 
right? And said that, well, you know, just your nieces and nephews, mm. you know, they're, you know, they're going to be upset. And it's like, no, you're upset. Yeah. You're right. bothered by right. this. You're worried that it's going to be this. Yeah. And right. the public does not care. They want, they want diverse stories. They want to see these types of characters. Yeah. Mm. Well, and, you know, so a couple things, and obviously I don't want to, you know, speak for your family, but, you know, when I hear what you just said, like, how your family, it was upsetting them. It's almost like, you know, for parents, there there tends to be, you know, an expectation or a vision that they have for their child. They they see this like trajectory and it's almost like when your child does something, it, it could be anything. Your child comes out, your child decides to be an actor, your child decides to, instead of going to medical school, to be, you know, an acrobat, whatever it is, when they kind of go off that path, there tends to be, resistance instead of embracing that. And I think, you know, the more, especially like on the show and, you know, talking with, you know, different people from all over the country, it's, it seems that when, you know, a parent can just sort of look at their child and say, I love you, no matter who you are, what you are, I will support you. I will be there. I I will have you. That helps, you know, fuel the love that then allows that person to be able to, you know, be who they are and, you know, excel at who they are. In your case, obviously, that wasn't, you know, the the situation. I know for even myself, there were things that I wanted to do that I didn't have full support, you know, from family. And, you know, even coming out was a little tricky in some instances or some parts of that. But just going back to what you were saying about, you know, the way people or what people are expecting and what the audience wants, you know, maybe... Maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe it was a little bit different. But I think, you know, when it comes to visibility, we see these, we, we see characters who are LGBTQI, you know, that have shown up now in, in different series, just like uh, MacGyver, where you, you know, you're a series regular and there's, there's a multitude of shows where we see, you know, queer characters uh, show up now. And it's just, it's just really important that those characters show up. And not only do those characters show up on screen, but also behind the scenes, that they're in the writing rooms, that they're part of that creative process to really represent us and to not so much focus on our sexuality, our gender, our sex, whatever it is, but just to focus on us as people. Because when people can fall in love with the person that's how you really start to break down whatever that story that you told yourself or you thought you told yourself or maybe your family told you about, you know, oh, those gay people or oh, those, you know, trans people. That's when those, you know, those stereotypes sort of break down. So I love that's what you're doing and and you really are championing, you know, being a champion for the community, you know, playing these roles and not really focus, just focusing on being who you are, not really focusing on what you are. Absolutely. Yes. Alexandra, you mentioned, um, I think it would be a, a, a missed opportunity if we didn't talk for a minute about disclosure, because I definitely, you talked about like um, maybe family people, right? Like the, the niece or the nephew. And it's like, no, it's it's not them. It's this system that we have chosen as a society to, to create that we're shaped or that has been. Um, and disclosure does a really good job of showing history again, of going through of things that took place. And in uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, when Jim Carrey finds out that the person that he's seeing is, is trans. And it's just so over the top. And um, they, they take the humanity out of the person that was a love interest. And, and they, it's very undignified. And I remember being in school like, like a week after that came out and like how the kids were picking up some of the mockery from that, that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to like stop and look back upon that as like the witness of what took place there. To be like, oh, like we were creating, we were perpetuating that mind thought, right? And nowhere in that is anyone who is actually that person, that voice or that person who's being portrayed in that conversation at all. And the the, the, the point that you all, all make in disclosure is such an important view in Jen Richards as well about the importance of trans people playing trans roles. Can you talk, because, and I don't want to put this just on you. I think it's, it's, it's a community thing. Is it sometimes I hear people say, oh, it's like, you know, an actor, any actor can play a role. But we talk about specifically, is it with trans people playing trans trans roles on television with Parker specifically, she's just a person, right? There's no, there's no, like no talk about anything else. She's just out there living her life. She's a professional. She's educated. She's, com- she's uh, contributing to society. She's intelligent, saving lives with Phoenix force. Like, can you speak to the importance of trans people playing trans roles? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes the, 
conversation gets twisted where I think people are saying like, oh, you're like trying to police people's artistry. And it's like, no, the problem is, is that for so long, trans people and disabled people and, you know, Black people and Asian people have not been able to get a seat at the table in terms of getting a chance to audition for these roles mm-hmm. or to portray these roles. And so when you go casting someone white to play Asian or, you know, you go casting a man to play a trans woman, you're not giving or a, a, a perfectly able person to go sit in a wheelchair or something like that for a movie when there are plenty of actors out there who are fighting for those opportunities, you know, it's unfair and it's not, it's not, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, because I imagine that, you know, it's, it's tough getting cast to play non-trans roles. I've only Mm -hmm. played one so far. I did a guest star where I played non-trans, but all of my roles have been trans. So I don't know what that says, but that says that if there were no trans roles there or if they were just going to cis men playing trans roles, I wouldn't be working. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's about fairness is what the the argument is. And once we get to a point where, you know, trans people are everywhere, just like they're in the, and the diversity is there in terms of color and all of this stuff, Let's everybody play whatever you want to play, mm-hmm. but we right. but we have so much work right. to do, right? We have to reform so much. Look at the Golden Globes. We have to change so much that the argument is not whether or not someone can play a trans person. It's that you know we want those opportunities as well, and yeah. and we should be able to have them. And if we can't even play the cis roles, at least let us play the the roles that we that we ident- identify as, yeah. you know. And so. I think that's that's the big thing for me. You know, I know a few years ago I used to do these PSAs with my trans white colleagues and I realized, you know, we were fighting saying that we want to play these roles in films, but I had to realize that you're not even speaking for me mm-hmm. because none of these roles have been black trans narratives. Mm. None of these roles, Eddie Redmayne and Jared Leto, all these roles you see, Hillary Swank, these are all white narratives. They're not the stories of black trans women. They're not the stories of black trans men. Hmm. You know, and so, you know, we have to be able to speak up on that issue as well, the issue of diversity among trans storylines. And that's something that people aren't speaking up about. You know, people look at Elliot Page and stuff like that and they're just like, oh, wow, Caitlyn Jenner is just like, oh, this is great, you know, but it's just like, let's remember that this community is a diverse community of all shapes and sizes and colors and the spectrum is so wide, non-binary, gender non-conforming, like, there has to be space for everybody and we have to speak up for everyone. And so we have work to do in our own community, but also, you know, that I think that is what people are saying when it comes to, you know, men playing trans, trans roles. And I think also it is very harmful. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you see Jared Leto, you know, playing a trans woman and then accepting award, it's like, as a, as a full on man, you know, it's just like, Oh, okay. So that wasn't real. Right. And there you go, right there. You know. That's what it does. Yeah, it, it it does because there's there's such an opportunity for a powerful moment to introduce, like you, you know, five million people on Friday night that get to meet Parker, right? That you that, that those roles are played by those by the people, so it does become real, yeah. right? Because unfortunately, our, our our brains that go back thousands of years are still fear is the dominant. You mentioned that earlier, you know about. The, not letting fear just step in the way of that resilience. When someone said go to California, you didn't let the, the fear monitor in your head say, no, I should stay here in Chicago. California is a scary big place. I don't know anything about it. You went and your whole life changed. Um, yeah. And lives are at stake. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we have to remember why we're doing this. Was it for money? Was it for ratings? Or was this because we wanted to be as artists to tell stories that are, are that are reflective of the times and reflective of the world that we live in? And so... I can only imagine based off the messages that I get from other trans folks that are watching me on these shows Mm -hmm. that I am making some sort of difference in their life because they could be me living in that small town outside of Chicago in a trailer wanting to to end it all because I don't think I I feel like who I am and what I feel on the inside is so bad Mm -hmm. and there's not space for me in this world. 
So I have to imagine that if I could have looked up on CBS on Friday nights and saw Parker Phillips played by a black trans woman that looked like me, oh, I'm not giving up because Mm -hmm. like she's in that space. I could exist in that space or in whatever space I want to. That's the importance. And I think that's why even though sometimes I don't want to speak up, I have to because at the end of the day, lives are at stake. Yeah. Mm, and so for, that yeah. is really important to me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for, for reminding us that. Yes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said too is as a community that we have a lot of work to do. And I think, you know, over the last few years, there seems to have been, you know, some some progress, you know, within the community. And one of the ways that we see that is you were on the cover of Out Magazine earlier this year. And I, being a gay man, uh, Out has been a magazine that's been on a coffee table in my, you know, apartment pretty much ever since I can remember. And I don't ever remember seeing anybody that looked like you on the cover. And I think to me, that is uh, groundbreaking in so many ways. And going back to um, what you were saying, where that visibility, giving that image of you, you know, being on the cover of the magazine, being in, you know, the the work that you're you're doing for other people who are looking up to you, you know, who look f- to find themselves in the media, to find themselves in the press. What was that like, you know, knowing that you were going to be on the cover of that magazine? Well, it was it was crazy, you know, when they called, you know, it's funny. I actually think I was pretty, the out 100 list like came out the day before I got the call. And I was like, so mad for the like fifth year in a row, I wasn't on that list. Um, You know, I was like, hey, you know, like I've been working like consistently, (laughs) you know, for like five, six years now, you know, can I get on this list? And then the next day, you know, we get the call to say, oh, you know, they want you to be the cover. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, I think somebody nominated her as a joke. You know, it was like, are you serious? You know what I mean? Like, and I guess they were serious and they were like, we want you to be, represent the trans community. You know, David Artavia over there is just like my little boo thing. (laughs) And uh, we actually met before the pandemic at a panel and, you know, I just thank him Hmm. for making it about the performance and not the politics. Because I am not, you know, you know, um, I don't have a million followers. I've worked a lot, but I don't have that kind of clout behind my name. I, you know what I mean? There are many other trans actresses that they could have went with to 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 be on this magazine cover to say, this is our, our Hollywood issue. Mm. And to choose me and say, I see you. Mm-hmm. It, for me, this was like a full, it was a full, another full circle moment because I felt for the first time that I was being recognized by my own community. Mm. For what I've done, I think sometimes, you know, we get caught up in like, you know, wanting to celebrate one person or wanting to celebrate whoever's hot right now. You know, I see yeah. friends all the time posting other trans actresses and I'm like, hey, you're my friend, like support me, <laughs> you know, show me love, you know, I'm, I'm on a show too, but I just because it may not be as popular, you know, like send me that love as well. Mm. And so to, to get selected to do that really was special for me. Because it said, "I see you." That's yeah. what that's what it said to me, and to and to be a representation for uh, not only Black trans women, but also for trans folks and just existing in Hollywood. So yeah. uh, it was great, and I think I, I I was working for a gay couple as a housekeeper years ago. During that time, my lights got cut out, mm. and they had Out Magazine, and I think Laverne Cox, re, you know Zachary Drucker, Reese Ernst, and Nick Adams from at Glad were on the Hollywood issue cover. Mm. And I said, you know, bitch, that's going to be me one day. Mm. I remember saying that during the my, my most depressed time. I remember looking at Ella Vern on there and I said, that's going to be me. And hey, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oh, Alexandra, it has been such a pleasure to be with you and get to know you better and just have some intimate conversations with you. And to, and we're just so grateful that you put yourself out there so we can see you and, and just the world's a better place. You are talented beyond years. And we are so opti- just overly excited for what the future holds for Alexander Gray. So we look forward to seeing more of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure.
We hope you enjoyed Alexandra's story and know that it's okay to be who you are. Go live your life, be a good person, and make space for everyone in the world while following your dreams. To learn more about Alexandra, visit her profile page on our website at www.talkoutloudlive.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk Out Loud. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, rate us, and share with a friend. You can also follow us on social media at Talk Out Loud Live. To catch up on past episodes and learn more about our past guests, visit our website at www.talkoutloudlive.com. You can also get your official Talk Out Loud gear in our online store and browse our online bookstore curated with our guests' recommended books. Thanks again for listening. And remember, be true, be you, and to talk out loud.